Shemai, and welcome back to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I'm Gabby Salgado. We have four more episodes of our show. To those who have been with us from the beginning, I'm glad you're back. And to those who are just joining us, welcome to the show. We are celebrating 50 years at KYUK. 50 years of bilingual broadcasting, 50 years of local voices, and 50 years of radio and television. Before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to remind everybody to rate, review, and subscribe to this show and every other KYUK show, including our new show, A Bite Out of Bethel. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and NPR One. Last week, Steve Heimel sat down with a few of the local musicians who found their start or made a name for themselves at KYUK. This week, Steve returns with Emma Hill, Jacques Longpre and Stephen and Philip Blanchett from Bamua to talk about how KYUK and the greater Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta region has influenced their music, and just like last week, we'll get to enjoy some great music together. We'll kick off the show with a pilot's goodbye from Emma Hill. Find me in the sky, that's where I'll be, that's where I'll be if you need me, singing with the birds. In the sunset over mountain peaks Hang on back Never ever think of smiles Good times together My love will stay forever you remember Good times together oh, 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 oh. 
I was surprised to see your name in the list of uh, Bethel KYUK connected musicians. I didn't know you had any kind of Bethel connection. Maybe you better tell me about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a Cusco girl, but yeah, I'm I'm more Upper Cusco. You know, I'm from Sleep Mute and have family in Antioch. And um, Bethel kind of came into my life actually later, like once my career was already established. I had actually only been to Bethel a handful of times as a young person, uh, a couple times when I was real sick and the medevac, we were only able to get the medevac there as opposed to Anchorage. And then one time, my one random semester or something that I decided to try wrestling, I went down there for a wrestling tournament. Um, and and I wished that I had spent more time there when I was young. I really love the community of Bethel. I think it's got a very unique, um, for one thing, you know, it's, it's a larger area, and it has a kind of easier and and more often connection to the outer world and that's very present there and I that's that's very different I feel like from the upriver experience um so Antioch was our main hub but Bethel asked me to come out I think it was all because good old Bev Hoffman was one of the first people that said hey we love your music we know you're a Cusco girl we know some of your family we're doing some fundraisers and we'd love to have you come out and we think that we can have Crowley and other, some other locals, you know, do some some sponsorship. And it was great. And I was able to bring Brian, and we just had a blast. I, I saw people, you know, I'm friends with the Fairbanks family. They've got a homestead up on the Holitna above Sleep Mute. So I've, I grew up with those kids coming up each summer, and, and Grant and Debbie are close friends of, of mine and of my parents. And so we had that connection. And then it just was once that first time it went I had so much fun and I just felt so connected. I just I kept getting invited back and obviously every time I've been there I've been over, gone over and made a little stop at the radio. So, yeah, it's I don't know, it's one of those homes away from home for me. Um I love getting to travel doing music and especially around here in the state and getting to get closer with some of the other rural communities. Wow, sleep mute. How did you ever get yourself convinced you're a musician in Sleep Mute? Oddly, it was something I knew. I don't know. It was kind of just embedded in my soul. Uh, my mom jokes that I kind of sang before I could even really talk. It was just my form of communicating. I wrote my first full, I guess, what I would call a, a complete song, is if, you, if you're thinking of the more traditional, you know, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, uh, when I was eight. And... At first, I didn't play any instruments besides my voice. Uh, I wrote a cappella for many years, and then I plunked around on the piano, kind of middle school age, and never got real good at that, but I did use it as a way to write songs. And then it wasn't until high school I actually um, was writing a ton and, and, and really musically kind of was one of the main forms of just expressing myself. And I actually left Sleep Mute to go and live with some relatives, and I finished high school in at Palmer, um, in Palmer High. There was a really great music uh, program there, led by Stan Harris, and my cousins were there and also were musical. And so, uh, yeah, I left Sleep Mute when I was freshly 15, lived with some cousins for two and a half years, finished high school early, and ended up at UAA with a scholarship for music. So, yeah, it's been as long as I can remember, the most important thing in my life. Uh, this is blindside, but um, holy mackerel, you say Cusco girl so nicely. Do you have a song with those words in it? <laughs> yes, I have a song called The Sleep Mute Sweetheart, uh, which is a very silly song 
about when folks accidentally started, you know, when I my career got started and they were calling me everything from the sleep mute sire and the sleep mute sweetheart, all this stuff, you know, and my bandmates and everybody just gave me so much crap about it. Thought it was so fun. Like, okay, wow, they're really like milking this. And I'm like, you know, anybody that's looking for a story is looking for that part of the story. And for years, I couldn't escape it. You know, people, they just wanted to hear more about what it was like to grow up in the bush than anything to do with my music. And so I think it was also the fact I think no one really thought I had much to say. I started professionally playing at 17, you know. They're like, what could you possibly know? Well, if you know, if you ever live in the bush, doesn't matter how old you are. There's plenty to be said, even if you're 17. (laughs) Uh, I feel like, you know, living a life, any kind of interesting lifestyle gives you a unique perspective but that one in particular I can't imagine any part of myself being who I, I am if I hadn't been from Sleep Me to Alaska. How about you as an artist now? I'm talking art. I mean wait art outside of music or just no. art like music, music as music, making form? Writing yeah. songs is art, uh, executing songs is art, working with other musicians is art. It's a way of looking at the world through the, through the eyes of art and metaphor and things like that. I mean, for me personally, I think that's the that's my top goal all the time. People have always said, yeah, you don't always like necessarily sing about Alaska, but Alaska is interwoven into your music. And yeah, I, that's not something I ever wanted to escape, let alone I don't think I could have. It's just in general being able to, again, like I said, it's it's a perspective. It's It's how you view the world. And Anyone that's spent any real time in rural Alaska understands that that is its own world entirely. And anywhere, I think, anywhere in the world where you are able to be real rural for any extended amount of time and understand what that level of isolation feels like, um, you know, it's not like when you can't just get in a car and go somewhere, there has to be planned, there has to be literally someone coming and picking you up in an airplane there's, it's a very, very slowed down way of life, and the, the distance between you and nature is very, very little compared to outside of that space. And so, it, yeah, it shapes how you interact with both people and nature and the world. I always joke, if nothing else, you know, for me, it gave me a hell of a drive to get out and see what else there was. I was so intrigued by it. You know, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in a time of we only had one television channel, you know, Rural Alaska TV network, <laughs> Rat TV as we called it. But it was still this window out into something that was so foreign to me, and I knew I wanted to experience it. I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, but I sure in the heck wanted to see what it was all about. And I have. I've done a lot of traveling. But I don't ever want to forget that perspective and that upbringing as weird and wacky as aspects of it are and, and continue to be in the way that, you know, I'm definitely not going to sit here and talk as if it was all roses and wonderful. There are tons of aspects of rural Alaska that are heartbreaking and exhausting and really painful and at times downright dangerous. But, um, you know, it all comes together to make me who I am. I definitely don't regret it. So this is a song I feel like I was thinking about it out on this park trip, but it's really a song about the Kuskokwim in a lot of ways. So, yeah, so this one is called Come Back to Come Home. And, yeah, I think another idea of reminding people the power of reconnecting with wild spaces and where it can take you both emotionally and 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 mentally on top of the physicality of it (laughs) 
Nod your head towards the sky You're still on Honey I'm out of questions. So you got anything right. you'd like to add? No, I guess just, you know, thank you to the, the years of service from this station and the way that they've connected communities and given that sense of connection even to those who might be far away even from the smaller towns in rural Alaska and just that sense of um, connection, which I think is so crucial and is such a huge part of I think when you find beauty in rural Alaska, a lot of it has to do with the, the folks that you surround yourself with, even if you only see them from time to time, even if you're up in your homestead. But it is it is such a huge part of what makes those spaces home. I've been to whatever your heart desires Because you're kind You've been so kind to me Keep the camera dry and start the fire We could talk all night And watch the sun rise, bam No, I don't have much Sing along I swear I could build you A cabin in a song Close your eyes I'll take you there 
Whatever your heart wants is out there I've been to whatever your heart desires Because you're kind You've been so kind to me Keep getting dry and I'll start the fire We could talk all night And watch the sunrise yeah, yeah, yeah. Table and chairs on the porch. There's a hammock, the ocean in the air. By the stove, there's a kettle, chamomile tea. If you're good to the world, if you good to your back, trust me, yeah, you'll see. I've been to whatever your heart desires Because you're kind You've been so kind to me Keep the candle dry and I'll start the fire We can talk all night And watch the sunrise, bam Hello, Jacques. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. So you grew up in Bethel then? Um, I, I was born there, but my, my parents were homesteaders up on the, the Holitner River. So uh, we were up there until I was about, what, five or six. And then uh, I was in Bethel from first grade on through high school. KYUK had been around for quite a while before you even entered the world. Can you, can you tell me where, when, you know, maybe an early memory or two of uh, how the radio fit into your family's household a bunch of you know former ho-ho litna homesteaders now in the in the big city well because i remember the tundra drums growing up um because that was the only way to get messages uh to people in those remote areas so i remember my my parents had this uh elaborate uh um wire system for an antenna uh, for the radio on the homestead and I, I remember the radio would be on all day long and um and i, I just I, I remember the tundra drums and just get that's that was the only way to get messages uh to people in those remote areas so it was kind of a daily thing listening to the tundra drums well um yeah let me take you back to uh to the river river and when you were uh forming the ambition to uh to be a musician how did that how did that come into being? Did that happen to you in Bethel or did that happen on up the river? Well, so when I, when I was about, I think I was about four years old, my mom had uh, went back to school in, uh, at, at UAF in Fairbanks. And uh, they've been homesteaders for you know a little over a decade. And uh, I think uh, she was 
wanting to get back into society a little bit there. And uh, so she had, she went to go finish off her degree and um, I went with her and um, we used to go to these uh, kind of bluegrass parties in, uh, in, uh, in Fairbanks. And I remember tagging along with these things and I was just a little kid and uh, you'd see the, 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 you know, the washtub bass and the, the, you know, the fiddles and guitars, mandolins and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, their, their friends just, you know, they, they'd be playing music, uh, into the wee hours of the night. And I remember just being mesmerized by the whole thing. And, um, that's what got me wanted to write songs. I remember there was one song that connected with me. I forget the name of it. And, uh, I think I came home and I had my mom, uh, I dictated the words and she wrote them down for me. And, uh, I've been wanting to write songs ever since. So I, I really think that was like kind of a pivotal moment in my life of, you know, you know, you know, finding your passion and just kind of running with it. Do you think there's a Cusco music, music style? Are you familiar with uh, John and Gaik's uh, uh, record he put out back in the seventies? No, sorry. So John and Gaik was, a, from my understanding, he was at UAF and somehow they came across some money and, uh, he put out a record called uh, "Lost in the City," and um, so when I moved to when I moved to Homer, um, I became friends with this guy here, and he had a, he has a record shop. And as, once once he found out I was from Bethel, he's, he's like, "Oh man, you know John and Gaik? He's a big big yeah. He kind of he's kind of into obscure records, and uh, he is really into the guy. Well, I knew John and Gaik, but I've never heard any of his music before. And uh, one once he had heard you know me play. He's like, man, you got to listen to this. You guys have, there's like that, 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 that rhythm that you guys have. And, uh, you know, listening to, to John and Gaik's uh, early stuff in the seventies, it's like, oh my God, it's, uh, you, you can kind of hear it. There's, there's that, 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 that kind of Cusco rhythm going on. And, uh, I, I definitely think there's, a, there's, there's, there's something to that. city record was pretty pretty neat because you know there was some of it was in Yupik, some of it was in english and it was just like it was just a really cool uh folk record and um you know the people all over the world collect them these days it's really interesting did you ever play one of those fundraisers oh gosh i you know, that's one of the things i whenever there's an opportunity to kind of give back through music i i'm whatever fundraiser i can do i'm, I'm always involved um whether you know here or uh, we we've we co- I've come back with a couple musicians in the past and you know played at the the K three hundred banquet and stuff like that but uh, and we do a lot of stuff around around Homer here as well you know you know it's got really a lot of a lot of good music too is up on the on the on the Yukon River um, that's why I, I spent a year and a half living in Galena and uh, it's really interesting where there's like these uh, local songs that you know written by local people that have sort of become like 
like anthems there. Um, it's re really interesting how uh, you know a song be become part of the culture, and you know, and I, I think that happened in you know in, in Bethel, the Bethel area as well. At what point in your uh, in your young life did you uh, pick up the guitar and uh, you know I mean you have to have an instrument of some kind, a harmonica, or a piano, or something, an auto harp. Well, I mean, I've always been able to pick up instruments and kind of noodle around, and figure them out. But uh, well, so my senior year in Bethel, um, there was a there was a guy that had lived uh, li he had lived in Bethel growing up, but he had moved to Fairbanks, and um, I got a call from him my senior year that they put a band together and uh, they needed a singer. So I, I'm, I really had the coolest parents ever at that point, where uh, they uh, they let me go up to, to Fairbanks and. Uh, and do a show so i you know i i, I flew up the uh, flew, flew to anchorage uh drove my volkswagen that uh my parents and i had split uh that year and uh drove up to fairbanks and uh practiced for a week with these guys um wrote lyrics to a bunch of songs and uh and then we did this show and i i think i ended up doing four trips like that that winter where uh we'd get booked for uh, you know a show and i'd go fly up to Fairbanks and we'd go play the weekend and then come back to my other life back in, back in Bethel. And so we, we ended up taking off down to, to Seattle after we all graduated. And, uh, we, you know, gave a big shot at, uh, becoming, uh, you know, grunge rock stars in, in Seattle. We were just a little bit too late and, uh, the, the whole scene had changed by the time we got down there. Um, but after, and I'd always kind of noodle around in guitar, but after, after leaving the band, after about three years, uh, then I, uh, yeah, I still need, I still wanted to write songs. And, uh, that's when I really started, you know, picking up the guitar again. And then I, I've never really been like a guitarist, guitarist, or I, the, the guitar is like a means to, to get lyrics and melodies out, um, and, and write songs versus really exploring what the guitar can do. So I've been always just kind of a straight rhythm guitarist, and it's just a, a, a means to write songs. My music's available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all that stuff. It's uh, just uh, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, and my last name is L-O-N-G-P-R-E. And there should be new stuff coming up soon. So if you get a chance, uh, look me up on Spotify and hit that follow button, and uh You'll uh, be the first ones to see uh, some of the new music coming out soon. And you say there is a bit coming out. Yeah, a couple different projects. I'm, I'm really excited about this new one. I think uh, um, it's it's similar to the last one, but it's a uh, it's a uh, I think a little more sophisticated too. I, I think I've grown as a songwriter. A lot of the last album were kind of like my you know life's work over the last like 15 years, and. Uh, and uh, there's there's a couple of those older songs that slipped through that, that didn't make it to the first one that are on this the second one, but uh, a lot of newer stuff and kind of new directions that I'm going. So I, I'm really proud of it. So I uh, hope you guys uh, get a chance to listen to it. Hey, 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 hey,
I'm glad to be here and glad to be joined virtually by uh, two members of FAMUA. Am I saying that right? You are. Good. Very good. I have uh, Stephen Blanchett, and he's in Juneau. And I have Philip Blanchett, and he's in Anchorage at the moment. And uh, Asi Kairayak is out fishing, which is thoroughly understandable for everybody. So... Here is a, we're, we're talking about the 50th anniversary of KYUK Radio, and I'm realizing that actually it's more than half of that 50 years ago that I first learned about this band. And I remember because uh, Vern Chimolia came over to me, and he was as excited as I've ever seen him. He said, you got to go hear these guys. <laughs> um, you were playing I think it was leading up to AFN maybe and you were playing someplace I'm not sure but I made I made the trip down there and I was instantly struck by the power of this music he said he he told me he said there's something new going on here it's kind of soul music it's kind of traditional it's it's really exciting and uh well I agreed <laughs> <laughs> You guys had something going, and somehow it's like 30 years now, and you are still doing it and now touring the world. Um, how, does, how, do you, how does this manage to congeal after all these years? I mean, so many bands form and they fall apart. They form and they fall apart. What do you think keeps you guys together? What's so important for Pomula? Um, I... I think that the, um, you know, with any group or organization, it really comes down to the, huh, I hate to sound corporate, but like the vision statement, you know, and like, it's like the, the, the through line that, that everyone that you're working towards. And for us, we're so intimately connected to um, us as individuals. Our identity is so connected to the, uh, our culture, our family 
then there's so much purpose. And so we've always been a family band, you know, with Steve and I um, being brothers and Aussie, our cousin and, you know, Karina and, and everybody um, uh, that plays with us, they're like a part of the family. And immediately when we start working with people like Christopher, we were like, we, call, we didn't call him Christopher, we called him Brother Christmas. And he was our brother. And so, um, but, you know, as a group and as a family, we're here to honor our, our ancestry, you know, the history of our, our, our people. And that, that's what we were, we were inspired by is the, the strength and beauty of our culture and how we can um, have fun communicating that through the continuation of music and collaboration and um, creativity. Well, what happens when you uh, go at Chamai? I think you've been to Chamai a few times. How does the crowd respond? Is there something special about that? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, at the beginning was the most magical experience for us because uh, it was especially like our very first time performing Jamai. Um, our many of our elders were still alive and our grandmother was alive and we were able to perform for the first time in front of her and and I know Steve you had some um, I, you remember seeing her you know when we were performing right yeah yeah she you know she was part of that that kind of generation that was really you know against the dancing because what they were told by the missionaries and all that. Right. And so to watch her transform um, from, you know, this mindset of that, the dancing was something that was not, you know, that, that was evil and, and uh, to watch her transform from like watching us perform um, that was, I mean, she, and she was right in front of us and, you know, her, her facial expression of like, you know, it was really hard, at, you know, at first, the big, she first walked out there and, she, and, uh, and came and sat down and, and it was like, okay, she's ready. She sat up, she's ready. And we just, we just started our show and it was, we were drumming and dancing and I can't remember which one I must've been doing Jaya Panaqua. And she was just, uh, by the first burst, her head was kind of bouncing a little bit, you know, her face softened up by the aguli. Her head was really kind of rocking and, you know, and by the, you know, by the second verse, she had a big smile on her face and completely transformed and, you know, had a great conversation. We had a great talk with her afterwards and she was like, you know, you guys are, what you guys are doing is, you know, is so good uh, and promise us that, you know, promise me that you'll, whenever you go out there, make them smile and make them laugh and then you have our blessing. Um, but it was like, yeah, it was when we had that, our very first show when we hit, you know, Mum Kashu on 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 Jaikanaukwa, when we hit that Mum Kashu, it <laughs> it really uh, everyone just kind of stood up and started clapping. It was definitely probably the most magical moment in you know the almost thirty year career that we've had um, that we've ever experienced. Every uh, every musician that I have uh, talked to in the, in in this fascinating fifty years project, you know, Yukon Kuskokwim Delta area musicians has said the same thing that uh, this past year has been so tough. It's almost a survival thing. 
that uh, all, all, everything that you were about as a musician was suddenly uh, evaporated because you couldn't have an audience. Uh, the gigs dried up. Everybody had to hole up. And uh, it was hard even to get together to make music together. And uh, it was a really tough and difficult time. Uh, how has it been for you? Because you guys are already kind of geographically distributed. Well, we definitely, we were very, just like everybody affected personally by, um, you know, this pandemic and um, what we all went through um, individually. And our, our primary focus was staying safe and keeping our families safe and our, and, you know, really, um, urging our community to be as safe as possible and musically you know we were not in a place where we we even wanted you know we weren't ready to share I wasn't ready to share anything but really what we what I was really um, taken by when we did have an opportunity to share that the message and the power within our music because it already is such, the intention is such a positive and healing message about, about um, so much about our culture, you know, and how amazing it is. And within that has such healing power. And that was such a, an important um, thing to share. And people all over the world were really um, needing something they just didn't want to be entertained. They weren't just missing music just because they, they wanted something to do. Um, they wanted to be reminded about the beauty of our existence and, and the, you know, the, the possibility of healing through, you know, through togetherness. And I feel like so much of our music, especially the traditional music, has that um, already baked into the, the stew and, the fact that, you know, we, we were able to share our music a little bit when we when we did, it was a, almost like a prayer. You know, it was it was something very special, and I'm really happy, you know, and honored to be able to to share the music that we do because it is so important that we honor the um, these kind of things and and the fact that the strength of this we learn from being back home in the, you know, off the Cuscoquim.
juke Slim Kavasha. You did go viral. I, you know, that, that, that video with you guys, uh, that, that's the most viral thing that KYUK has ever done. You know yeah, that? it's awesome. Um, and it's a prayer. It's a prayer. And that song is a, it's a, um, it's the power of, you know, and that's not from, that's not us. That's, that's, it's amazing that it was so important message. And I'm, like, it's just, uh, what a blessing. You know, uh, yeah, I'm thinking uh, we're, it's, it's, it's getting more and more global, um, cross-cultural and global. And you guys are, you guys are kind of in the, in the vanguard of this. I mean, it's a lot of work to get across those cultural boundaries, but I think it, it happens. And to see it happen between uh, indigenous uh, expressions, uh, that uh, yeah, I've, I find that really exciting, just intellectually exciting and hopefully musically as well. And I think just inevitable, right? I mean, it's, that's just the, it's, it's, it's inevitable that this cross-cultural expression is going to happen, especially in, 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 in a, a, such a diverse world that is becoming more, in, you know, increasingly coming together Um Especially as with indigenous as indigenous peoples, you know, and and you know they're Dene. They're I mean they're they're basically Athabascan peoples, which you know a huge part of our our people here in Alaska are Athabascan, you know, and so to have uh, brothers to perform with brothers down that uh, we feel like yeah yeah brothers you're like our our, our homies our cousins you know so. Uh, we really connected. So like what Gishma was saying, like we had some audience members out there, especially in Santa Fe, um, they came up and they were just hugging us. They were so like, oh my, you know, just, you can see the pride um, in the local folks there to see these these local Diné artists performing with these indigenous Inuit artists from Alaska. Um, um, it, was, it was really awesome. I'm really happy that uh, KYUK has made it through uh, 50 years and uh, proud of you guys as part in it. And I, I have a feeling there's plenty more to come. Well, I definitely want to um, credit KYUK for, for, for being an influence for us. Because for us, we grew up on, like being a part of production, like television production, radio production. And it was such a, it was such a normalized part of our life to be able to you know, for us to produce our, to become music producers, it made sense because, you know, we grew up seeing, you know, Ask an Alaskan and, you know, um, news that, you know, um, done in Yupik in our language. And, and so many of our, my mom and our aunts and uncles and cousins have been broadcasters on television and, you know, that radio is so accessible and it was like a no brainer for us to do what we do because so much of the influence was right there with KYUK, you know, being a, such a figure in the community and basically making that bridge between what we saw on like national television and movies and like saying, oh, we have the tools to make that ourselves. And then within our, our families, we're like, we have a story to tell. And so it's like, hey, 
couldn't have done it without KYUK. Yeah, I love KYK so much. You know, every ever ever since even our childhood, like we would always just kind of, you know, just joke around. Like, am I on the air? You know, like this is birthday calling. You know, it's like it it very much is just part of the fabric of our you know the not only the whole community of the YK Delta, but you know just our family and you know friends and um and and it's just ingrained and part of uh, very much a part of who we are so uh definitely just credit kyuk and and um all the amazing contributor contributors over the years um you know john active and all those folks Mm. you know we just love the storytelling and that pride that we have when we when we used to listen to 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 folks like him and and all the all the folks that that were part of the this whole 50-year journey. This episode of In Your Ears for 50 Years was hosted by Steve Heimel. The Uktune episode this week was hosted by Julia Jimmy. Producers for the show are Kristen Hall and Gabby Salgado. The theme music was performed by Bethy Whalen, Lisa Whalen, and Andy Anksman of the band Blue Whalen. Join us next week when we take a look at the news department, what it was, what it is, and what it will be.